Have a seat, if you will. So welcome to Radius on this Easter Sunday. If you're new with us, this is a group of believers that all say that, oh, but God. Um, Radius Church was formed about 20 years ago with a few of us that God had changed, and now this room is full of folks with stories of how he changed them, in essence. I don't know about you, but Easter's this kind of weird time at church where um, perhaps we have the most cynics ever in the room, which I appreciate because I'm a little cynical. And, and even as you sit there, like, is this real? Like, the three people up here really singing to God, do they really know God? You heard those stories. You may have these questions in your heart. I, I would just encourage you. This is why we named it Radius, because we knew that we were flawed from the very beginning of our lives. I'd encourage you to watch some people in here that you think know Jesus if you've yet to meet him. And just evaluate him. Like, don't, don't evaluate Jesus strictly on us. But when he changes somebody, when somebody has an old but God story, it's really appropriate for you to watch them and see if that's true. No pressure, believers in the room, right? Like, like that's how it's supposed to work. We put our mission statement on the door, on the wall, on the way out the door here just to remind ourselves what we're about uh, it says, Radius Church exists to glorify God. So at the end of the day, that's what we want to be said. We want people to talk about God, not Radius. It really doesn't matter. We've had tens and tens of people here, and we've had hundreds and hundreds of people. It doesn't matter how many people. At the end of the day, we want people to talk about God when they see our sign. But we, we have a specific way of doing that. We want to make disciples, plant churches, and live generously. And hopefully, over the course of time, uh, overcome some of the cynicism that is so deserved in our culture where they question certainly Christians, if not the God of the Christians. So really glad you're here. here here's what I like to do. I like to pray. And for some of y'all, that would be a little weird. For some of y'all, really, that's really normal. But as I pray, I like for you to like, pray where you sit. Now, you don't have to pray out loud. That would be a little weird. Everybody would probably get weirded out in here. But if you just pray where you sit and evaluate what it took you to get here. Like, if it was a really fun morning getting all dressed up and coming to, to church, then tell the Lord that. If, if y'all argued all the way here, uh, then, then say, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> Help me concentrate now and maybe even forgive them before we get into this. Right? Like, do that and then pray for folks on your row because some of them know the Lord, some of them don't. So pray that the Lord would... Do something that he did a long time on Easter. He, he worked in power and brought life. So I'm going to pray, and you pray with me. Listen to us, Lord. You, you gave us this right to speak directly to us. We're thankful for it. We give Jesus glory for that. We pray that you'd hear our prayers. We're thankful that you're patient with us. Some days uh, we need forgiveness before we get out of bed. We're thankful that uh, you loved us and you taught us how to love our neighbors. On a Sunday like this, we, we, we love that. We love having folks in the room that aren't often in the room. And it's, just, it's just a joy to have them here. So we pray, Holy Spirit, you'd move on us, each of us, some of us that have known you for a long, long time. Remind us how good a thing it is that you conquered death. And for those that uh, may not know you yet, Lord, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd move on them, that you'd explain this day to them, that they'd leave here different than they came in. Trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
It's a very simple word, shout. Shout means this, to com command attention. Not a very complicated definition. And very rarely in our culture do we hear somebody shout and it mean that they're strong, right? Like, like uh, you'll be in the parking lot of your favorite restaurant and someone who is overserved at the bar, they're in the parking lot after they've been overserved being really loud, right? Like they're shouting. They're shouting like they're the greatest, like, like they want to fight, or they're shouting like they're the greatest romancer in the world, or they're shouting like they're Jeff Foxworthy, right? Like they're, they're loud, and it really, it, it says anything but power, it seems to say weakness, right? Some of y'all have been at your kids' softball, baseball, basketball, football game, and you got a little over-emotional, and you began to shout, right? Like my wife, amen, when I said that last service, like talking about me personally. But we start to shout. We kind of lose control and look about as immature as we've looked in months, like shouting at the referee as if we can move the game. In my case, occasionally it's at my own child, getting them to play harder, expecting them to. Anyway, I don't know what y'all do. I'm constantly yelling, shoot the ball, because it's just frustrating. Shoot the ball. Anyway, some of us, when we get overstimulated, I don't know if you're an extrovert, you get overstimulated. I always tell Cheryl that she's wired or amped. So like I give her a little warning because she's overstimulated. That means she's going to talk faster and louder. And it's really like hard to concentrate when that's going. I've got grandkids now when they're at the house and they get overstimulated. They laugh, they cry. It is so loud. You cannot think, right? Everybody know what that's like? That, that's what shouting usually looks like in our world. Occasionally in marriage, we get over defensive. Anybody? A statement's made and it begins to build. I don't know what it is about us that thinks that if we raise our voice that that might convince our spouse that we really know what we're talking about. Uh, we've been doing this for 33 years. I don't really know how raising my voice is going to convince Cheryl anymore that I'm serious. But for some reason, on occasion, I do it as do you. And never do I walk away feeling like, oh, I won that. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> right? I really often, when I raise my voice, feel immature. It seems to be these moments where I've kind of lost control. Rarely in our culture is there a demonstration of power with shouting. It generally indicates weakness, like you're trying to overcome something that you can't control. But occasionally, you hear a shout, and it's got power behind it. Anybody see uh, the Masters on Friday? Like, the favorite part, for those of y'all that are non-golfers, it was entertaining because, you see it, a, a pine tree fell. Anybody see this? So the big old pine tree, if you don't know what the Masters are, you need to move to another, another part of the country. Anyway, <laughs> Masters is a golf tournament. I'm not a golfer, but I know what the Masters is. The pine tree falls. They got it on camera, and it clips another pine tree. So two pine trees fall, and there's this group of people all sitting in their chairs watching the golfers put on the green right there. And as the tree's coming down, like, they scatter. It was amazing. Like, you know, somebody's going to get killed as they're coming down, and they, they all scatter. I just imagine the lady or the man that heard it crack and turned around, they're like, watch out, as loud as they can. Everybody scatter. It's awesome. My favorite part, 40-something-year-old man, slightly overweight. He, he gets away from the tree, and it's like he plants his left foot, and as soon as the tree hits, he runs back to it. Like, that's my boy right there. Like, he, he wants to make sure nobody's under the tree. Like, it's going to give him a heart attack to lift the tree, but he's back to the tree. It was, it was just, I was wishing the golfers would leave the green. Like, hey, go help somebody for a time. Like, let's go. Like, it, it was this amazing scene. But somebody had to, I'm sure, shout. But they shout with power. No, they shout with fear, afraid. So they had this power to them. And you imagine everybody scattering. When I got out of college, um, 
went back, got a job in my hometown, went to my parents' church, volunteered with students, so hung out with students. I think we had like two or three at that, the little church I grew up at. Eventually grew a little bit, and so we got the church basketball team. If you grew up in the South, you know what this is. It's a weird little cultural thing that we do. If you're from the Midwest or another part of the country, it's a weird little cultural thing that we do. Like kids come play basketball, but it didn't, I wouldn't actually call it real godly usually, right? Like it's, 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 it's really interesting. So we had a little team, and um, I'm in the gym after a game, and a lady comes running into the gym, and she's screaming my name. I think I'm 22 or 23. John, John, the teams are about to fight. I'm like, oh, no. so, so I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big man. So, like, when I hear fight, like, like I don't just run to the fight. Like, I kind of jog. Like, I know I can't go that way. <laughs> so I'm kind of moving toward the door like I'm, like I'm ha- going to handle business. And my little brother, who's five years younger, he's 17, 18 at the time. I can't remember if he was the, whether he was a junior or a senior. He runs right by me full speed. Well, then you, you got to keep up. So, so I can still remember, as I was reviewing the story, him hitting the, the door hard as he could into the parking lot. And as soon as he walked in, got into the parking lot, you could see him. One kid on my team, he's got a wood club going to the fight in the church park. This is church basketball, if y'all haven't been around. <laughs> so there's a group of boys coming from both sides. My brother, who's their age, just yells. And he's got like a little bit of a Mike Tyson voice. He goes, get back in your car. (laughs) And they scramble. It was the weirdest thing. It's like literally fear in their eyes. They all run back, get into trucks and cars and drive out of the parking lot. It was over. It was over. This shout of authority coming from someone that they all knew. Now, if you know my little brother, he's built a little different than me. He, uh, is a little shorter, but much, much thicker. And they all knew him from the weight room because he could lift more weight than any of them. And he had this little reputation of getting into a fight on a kind of regular basis. My mama would call me. Matt threw an adult off the school campus. She's always proud of him for beating somebody up. That's what kind of mother I have. Anyway, there's, there's all of this chaos was around him. He would just handle business, and they all knew it. He had kind of had that crazy eye. You know, like Mel Gibson's got that crazy eye, like he's going to do something. So he... He came to the parking lot, and he shouted with authority based on work, and they moved. And so with the song we sing, there was chaos, there was a shout, and then there's calm. And we say, oh, but Matt, that's my baby brother, oh, but Matt Matt showed up. Jesus in the Bible walks up on a funeral. He's up one of his best friends. He walks up on this funeral, and if you know the whole story, he delayed to get there. This is all on purpose, but nonetheless, when he gets there, I want to read you some of the text. It says, Jesus still angry as he arrived at the tomb. By the way, I I love that verse. It's an appropriate way to go to a funeral, angry. For some of us that have lost someone recently, we work through a variety of stages of grief. Some, Some of it's very sad, and some of it's angry. Jesus shows up angry for a whole nother reason. He showed up at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. And he told them, hey, roll away the stone. Martha, the the dead man's sister, protests, and she says, hey, he's going to stink. Don't roll roll away the stone. Leave him in there. Verse 43, and Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. His buddy Lazarus has been dead for four days. 
Jesus rolls up on the scene, and he speaks with authority. He shouts. One of the very few times he shouts in the Bible, in verse 44, says, The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth, and Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. I, kept on, I always think of Jesus going, Well, unwrap him. He's alive. Take the stuff off of him. It's this kind of comical, powerful moment. On Easter, we're here to celebrate the power that God has to overcome death. Jesus does it in real time. He walks up on a funeral by plan. He shouts, and all of a sudden, all the chaos has become calm. Do you believe that? So if, if you're new here or you don't know much about Christians. There's Christians in the room that believe that story in the Bible is true, that it actually happened, that Jesus brought a guy who was dead for four days back to life. That's what we believe. We literally believe that. When he got there, earlier in the passage in John, uh, he meets Lazarus' sister, Martha, and he makes this amazing statement. Jesus says this about himself. I am the resurrection and the life. Some of y'all can talk smack. You can't talk smack like that. He rose up on the funeral, and he goes, I am the resurrection and the life. How you like that? And Martha pauses, and he says, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. What in the world? Believe they'll live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. How is that possible? So he puts these two weird sayings. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who believes in me will never, ever die. And then he makes a statement to Martha. He calls her by name, and he would call you by name today. Do you believe this, John? Great question for all of us to ask on Easter. Like, we, we did it. We're all here. You made it here. We're dressed. We're here. But do you believe this, that he is the resurrection and the life? On Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Most of y'all would probably know that coming in. It's, it's a day where we celebrate Jesus died on a Friday night. They call it Silent Saturday. Nothing happened. In early Sunday morning, he rose from the grave. We celebrate that resurrection. But we also celebrate the fact that he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so because he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he rose from the grave, that means that I can stand up here in front of y'all and say, I'm going to rise from the grave, right? I can't say it as arrogant as him because all my rising is based on his rising. But I can stand up here, and y'all think we're crazy. Like the Christians in here, we all agree that we are going to rise from the dead one day. We're going we're gonna to get up out of the grave. It doesn't matter whether I... You know, y'all come to my funeral, and it's a, you are coming, right? Like, like it's, a, it's a fancy casket, and, you know, Sh Sh Cheryl's weeping over here, and you can give her a hug. I hope she's going to cry. Like, I don't know what she's going to do exactly, but you, or, or, or just a, Cheryl probably going to put me in just a box. We're going to have to get it over with quick, right? Or, or whether I'm cremated, it doesn't matter. I'm going to rise again one day. That's what she can be looking forward to that day when, when I go away because I have this hope because of his resurrection, because he says that I am the resurrection in life, that I, too, will rise from great. I'm going to read you a quick passage. It's 1 Thessalonians. <laughs> Thessalonians is just a 
a letter written to a group of people in a town called Thessalonica. It might as well be first Lexingtonians, right? Like, <laughs> it's just a town. He writes them this letter. It's their first letter. He's teaching them about Jesus, and this is what he says in verse uh, 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, that's what he calls folks who believe. We want you to know what will happen to believers. I love that title for us. As opposed to Christians, I love being called believers. Because that is, that's what transformed us. If we did anything, belief is it. He did all the rest. What will happen to believers who have died? Another translation who says, who are asleep. You talk about some swagger. The early church, when they died, they said, nah, he's he, he not dead. He's just asleep. Who died, so you will let, uh, so you will happen, to, ah, I lost my spot. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died or, again, fallen asleep in Jesus. It's this pretty amazing connection between his resurrection and our resurrection. Right? It goes back to another shout. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and it's all done, what's he say? He shouts, it is finished right and so now he's died he did what it takes for us with our sins to be sacrificed on the cross and then three days later he rises from the dead And in this passage he says if you believe that you'll rise also check out verse 15 we tell you this directly from the lord this is what the lord said we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. How about that? One day, Jesus is going to come back. He actually, he actually gives more definition. With the voice of an archangel, which you can imagine being thunderous. And with the sound of the trumpet call of God, which you can imagine penetrating the whole atmosphere. And what's he going to say? Hey, Reeves, come forth. Now, if my kids scatter my ashes all over the lake up here, guess what? All the ashes are going to come back together. I don't know how this is going to work out exactly, but, but I'm going to come forth because God, the one who created me and made me out of dust from the beginning, is going to call forth, and, and I'm going to come back together. Like, I'm going to rise from the grave. You, do you believe this? Like, these are some crazy people in here. If you're not a Christian, like, there's some crazy people at this church. They actually believe that after they die, no matter what happens to their body, that they're going to rise from the grave based on passages like this in the Bible. Based on this belief that Jesus died. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why this is a big day for us. Because not only do we celebrate that he rose from the dead and that he is the resurrection and life, but he gave us this future hope of rising from the grave. Verse 17, there's one exception, right? There's a possibility, even though that I believed in Jesus, that I'm not going to rise from the grave one day. Here's what it says. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. So there's this possibility that Jesus could come now or this afternoon or in the next couple years. 
what's up with this AI stuff? Anybody seen this stuff? You talk about crazy times in the history of the world. You seen this city they're building in Saudi Arabia called The Line? Go look it up. It's nuts. It's got this mirror thing all around. It's crazy stuff happening. In our, what if the Lord's coming soon? Paul thought he was when he wrote this. There was stuff happening when Paul was writing. He's like, he's coming soon. It's happened every century. Folks thought the Lord was coming soon. We have every right to believe he's going to come before we die. In which case, I won't be resurrected from the grave. I'm going to miss out on that, but I'm going to get to go straight to be with Jesus. That always seemed like a plus, quite honestly, to, to, for him to come while I was still living and kind of miss the death part. That seemed like a good thing. And so for those of us in the room, like, we, we look forward to that with hope. That one day he's coming back, that all the folks that we've lost, we, we celebrate the day they're going to get up out the grave, and they're going to meet us in the air, and we're going to be with Jesus. The question is, do you believe this? That's what our folks were praying about just a minute ago. Like, do you believe that? Because if not... This day should bring no hope. It's just a tradition. That's a fun one. Get to dress up. Be with family. There's lots of good things about the day. But for us, it's everything. It's, it's this belief that Jesus <laughs> fulfilled his prophecy when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he passed that on to us. Last verse, he says, so encourage each other with these words. So today, when you see somebody in our room that knows Jesus, it's just a day to encourage one another. We remind each other that Jesus rose from the grave, and one day we will too. And if you haven't met Jesus, this is a heavy day. Really glad you're willing to be here and sit with us. It's a heavy day where we hope you evaluate whether you have that hope or not. Because if he comes and you haven't believed, and belief's not about coming down the aisle, it's not about praying some amazing prayer, it's about a transformation of the heart. It's a moment where you admit that you're a sinner. Here's the good news. Everybody in this room is a sinner. Those of us that have believed in Jesus, we'd be the first to admit we're sinners. The Bible tells us we are, and we prove it regularly. But after we admitted we were a sinner, that put us in a humble position to say, but God, it helped us be able to look to this cross that we talk a lot about at church. We talked about it Friday night and look for an answer to this lostness that we had inside of us. So we celebrate, and we want you to celebrate as well as we believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. He is the resurrection. Hey, if you know Jesus, we're going to sing another song or two. Celebrate. It's a good time to sing loud. If you don't, it's a good time just to stew on the, these words and see maybe if he will explain them to you. Let me pray for us.